Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When we talk about political ads on this show, we mostly talk about the ones we see on social media. But I recently read about a whole other area of the Internet where political ads are popping up. Tony Rahm reported on this for The Washington Post. The story behind my story actually starts with a conversation I had with one of the editors a few weeks ago who was watching the Food Network app or some sort of cooking show and in the course of watching it happened to see an ad for uh, Tom Steyer. Imagine a day... When what's said at your kitchen table matters more to politicians in Washington than what's said in corporate boardrooms. And she walked away from that and thought to herself, why am I seeing this stuff here? You know, you're used to seeing that on television and increasingly we're trained to see those ads on Facebook and YouTube and other social media sites. But it sort of surprised her and, you know, by extension me that we were sort of seeing this on streaming platforms as well. And so from there spawned this story that really meant to look at the landscape for streaming and whether laws really have kept up with some of those major changes in technology. By the way, Tom Steyer dropped out of the primary over the weekend. But the race to advertise on places like Hulu and Roku is just getting started. Today, the Wild West of political advertising on streaming platforms. I'm Allegra Frank. This is Reset. Tony Rahm, senior tech policy reporter at Washington Post. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm I'm totally excited because you reported on an interesting phenomenon about how political advertising is seeping into a new realm, which is streaming services. Obviously, not all streaming services have ads. Netflix doesn't. So what streaming platforms are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about a wide array of platforms. So the big one, obviously, is Hulu, where people are watching live television, but also streaming on-demand video content. We have connected TVs and uh, those services, things like Roku, for example. Uh, There's a good chance that when you're watching uh, the Food Network app or you're watching the TLC app or content related to those uh, providers, that there's a a good chance you're going to see political ads there. Really, any of the on-demand streaming apps. Uh, So there's one that we uncovered called Tubi that recently has been in the news because of a potential merger, those streaming platforms also increasingly are accepting uh, political ads along with the other ads that they already have. So you went in and started reporting on it. What did you find? What was your sort of takeaway? Right. We sort of discovered that streaming sites and services had become this new way for political campaigns to try to reach voters. And that kind of makes sense, right? We know more Americans than ever are cutting the cord, so to speak, ending their normal cable subscriptions and shifting their viewing habits online. And so it makes sense that some of the political dollars had followed that as well. But the other thing that we had discovered was that it's 
really impossible right now to measure the scale of that. And that's largely because neither the companies nor the federal government tracks or requires companies to track exactly who is spending and how they're spending on these streaming media sites. So that results in a major transparency gap that makes it really difficult to know who is targeting whom and why. Right. That's super different from basic broadcast television where we have these baked-in regulations. We have the FCC. Right. With broadcast television for many decades now, you know, your traditional ABC or CBS or NBC local station has to compile what's called a political file that indicates how much money a campaign has spent, the general topic of the issue on which they advertised, and the general times that that ad ran. They have to be transparent about that stuff. But if that same ad that you saw watching your local NBC station had run on NBC programs programming that had been streamed on a site like Hulu, for example, even though the ad is the same, there's no disclosure requirement around it. And so that's what prompts this concern among regulators and watchdogs, that there are serious gaps here. Why is that a problem exactly? Like, why should we be worried? Yeah, folks should be concerned because they have the right to know who is speaking to them and what they're saying and why they're targeting them in the first place. Remember, we got here because of the 2016 election. The reason we're having this conversation about transparency and political advertising is because agents of the Russian government took to social media sites and used those sites to spread and stoke social and political unrest. And some of what they did relied on using ads on a site like Facebook to try to create those divisions and to promote falsehoods. Now, four years later, we're worried about Russian interference, maybe not so much on streaming services, Mm -hmm. but there is this concern that ads could essentially serve as wedges. It could be the thing that divides the American electorate as opposed to motivating them to vote, for example, or informing them. So just take even the instance of President Trump's campaign. We had a whole conversation a few months back about the president using Facebook to lie and be able to lie uh, without the company taking action against that. At least, though, with Facebook, you're able to see it. You can go to Facebook. You can visit their ad archive. You can measure what the Trump campaign is doing and who they're reaching and exactly how effective that potential falsehood might have been. But you can't do that when we're talking about streaming services. You can't see if a campaign is changing its message depending on the audience that it's speaking to or even just the amount of money that they're spending to speak in the first place, which is certainly an issue this time around given how much money the Bloomberg campaign is spending. Just these basic questions about who is talking to you and why they're talking to you are things we can't answer in the streaming context, and it's something watchdogs definitely want to fix. So who who would you consider to be sort of the most prominent figures on these platforms? We mentioned Trump having a huge presence on Facebook, especially four years ago. You mentioned Bloomberg before, spending tons of money for internet ads. Who, who are we seeing particularly on Hulu, Roku, streaming services? Yeah, we're seeing all of those campaigns uh, taking advantage of streaming services. Now, the FEC records only give us a faint sense of this because of the uh, the lack of laws around uh, campaign spending, but we can see that the Buttigieg campaign and the Warren campaign and 
Democrats across the board, including some of their super PACs, uh, organizations that were uh, trying to fight the president on issues like impeachment, all of them have taken in some capacity uh, to streaming services. And so I talked to one uh, big spending Democratic group for the course of this story, and what they told me is that they expect over the life of the 2020 election to put seven figures just into streaming alone oh, wow. on top of what they already plan to spend on other digital properties and on traditional television. So again, as these services are growing in popularity and as the ad targeting tools are getting more powerful, you're seeing those political dollars follow. One of the issues we have and worry about on Facebook and social media is that the ads are being fed to us very specifically. Is that a problem, too, that we're sort of being targeted with these ads? Yeah, these targeting concerns are top of mind for regulators and for watchdogs because of the differences between traditional television and streaming. You know, when I'm running an ad, for instance, on local ABC, I'm speaking to everybody who's watching local ABC. But when you're running an ad on streaming content or a site like Hulu, for example, you apparently can target this stuff uh, much more narrowly. We don't know exactly in some cases uh, how, how narrow that targeting can get because the companies guard a little bit of the data. But just based on what they've said publicly, you know, you can focus an ad on demographics, on location, and potentially even on individual lists or groups of voters that you think are most likely to vote for you if you happen to have their contact information. And all of this concern around targeting just affirms for a lot of people this fear that individual campaigns could be delivering different messages to different categories of voters. And because we have no transparency around this, we couldn't tell and we couldn't hold campaigns to account for that. With streaming becoming sort of the de facto way of watching television away from broadcast, should we expect these political ads to become more apparent, more prolific, and more of a problem? They're certainly going to become more prolific, and the question of whether it becomes more of a problem, I think, depends on this issue of regulation, at least according to the regulators. As that money gets there, as that money shifts to these streaming services, there's going to be this demand to learn more about it, but there's nowhere to look in the absence of laws that require more disclosure about who is spending and why. So why isn't that transparency regulation in place? That's after the break. This is Reset. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
We are back with Tony Rom of The Washington Post. Tony, you are a policy reporter. So let's talk about policy. <laughs> I think that is the appropriate way to go next. So let's say I want to place a political ad on TV the old-fashioned way. What do I need to do? How does that process work? First, I have to make the ad, I guess. But then you, would, <laughs> yeah. you would go to the TV station where you wanted it to air, or you would go to a group of stations. Sort of it varies depending on where you are and who you're trying to reach. And you would you would place that ad. And 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 from a transparency standpoint, a lot of these broadcasters have to have what's called a political file, and that political file would have copies of information about how big the ad spot was, how much somebody had spent for it, the general times that it ran. Depending on the ad, there would, be, there would even be some information about what that ad contained. Uh, so you would be able to view it. And, and, and lots of journalists, lots of watchdogs use these files to do the kind of research and reporting that we all do about who is spending what and where. So what is the thinking behind this political file regulation, the idea that reporters or anyone can really go in and see who is selling to TV stations, who is broadcasting on them? Yeah, well, the FCC has been regulating broadcasters since the beginning of time, basically. And the, the the thinking at the FCC has always been that these are public airwaves. You're getting that television because, you know, these broadcasters are renting the invisible spectrum that delivers you those signals from the U.S. government. And so you have a right to know. The public has a right to know information about that station and the content that appears there. And remember, we didn't have the Internet always. So <laughs> it was important to have these literal physical files that people could see across multiple multiple stations, who was running what and how they were spending and how they were trying to influence people. Tony, don't remind us about the world before the Internet. <laughs> Horrible. I don't know. Sometimes I think I prefer it. <laughs> oh, God. Where would we all be? Um, well, speaking of the Internet and digital ads in particular, what attempts have been made to regulate those? Well, we've been talking about it for a long time here, but there hasn't been a whole lot of meaningful progress. Uh, this really all began after the 2016 election. A lot of lawmakers and federal regulators were really upset to discover that Russian agents were using Facebook ads and other tools to try to reach people and try to inflame political divisions. Exhibit one is an ad entitled Being Patriotic. It cost approximately 330,000 rubles. Exhibit two is entitled Blacktivists. It cost 121,000 rubles. It was paid for, the political ad was paid for, by rubles. Isn't that a red flag? How could that happen? Will Facebook commit not to accepting political ads paid for with foreign money in the future, say with rubles or... The North Korean won. And so that created this, this conversation in D.C. about whether we should take the broadcast rules and put them on the Internet. So basically every major web platform, whether it was a social media site or a streaming service, would have to reveal the same things about who was spending and why they were spending and who they were targeting. Uh, except that hasn't happened. Uh, as, as usual around here, um, there are political disagreements, issues around campaign finance that have really stymied a lot of progress around some of that legislation. Okay, so what have regulators tried? In Washington, there were really two tracks of things, right? The first was uh, folks at the Federal Election Commission who wanted to address some of the transparency concerns. Uh, the real short there is that the FEC just doesn't have people. They don't have a quorum, mm -hmm. so they just can't do work right now in the Trump administration. The bigger game uh, was on Capitol Hill, and you had lawmakers like Senators Amy Klobuchar and Mark Warner putting forward a bill called the Honest Ads Act that would have required more transparency from political ads that appear online. Foreign agents, as Senator McCain has pointed out, are taking advantage of loopholes in our laws. 
which is why we're introducing this legislation to make online platforms disclose paid political ads just like broadcast, radio, and print. But the Honest Ads Act has lingered largely untouched over the better part of the past few years. Uh, There are disagreements among Republicans who just generally have come to think that maybe this regulation isn't necessary Mm. uh, and and don't want to see any sorts of limits or things that might look like limits uh, with respect to political spending and political advertising. One person's opinion on fake news is another person's opinion. And the idea that we're going to allow a group of regulators, a group of bureaucrats to regulate what we'll be able to see in terms of social media or other formats uh, offends me. And I will certainly oppose that in any way I can. And the lawmakers who run this thing, you know, they're very powerful people. Klobuchar is running for president. Warner is the top Democrat on the Intelligence Committee. But they don't actually run the individual panels that could take that bill and move it ultimately to a vote. And so there has been no vote on the Honest Ads Act. But this isn't all for naught. Uh, The regulatory pressure and the threats of legislation and the hearings that have been involved in this have prompted some companies to take action. And so you see now that Facebook and Google and Twitter now have limited and different archives where you can kind of get a sense as to who's advertising in the political space. It's not perfect. There are things that have to be fixed, but they at least did something, uh, which is far different than what we're seeing on streaming, where no one has done anything in response to that pressure. So it sounds like the argument here is that we should regulate Internet ads the same way we do TV ads. Is that possible? Yeah, I would say two things there. First, I think when people talk about mapping the broadcast regulations to the Internet, they're talking about the spirit of them, not necessarily the letter of them. The second thing I would say is that it can be at times logistically difficult, and I think that some of the streaming platforms are grappling with this right now. Because in reality, there's so many different venues where you would purchase a political ad that could appear on some of these services that it prompts the question of who would be the one disclosing in the first place. Should it be Hulu? Should it be the political campaign? And the issue of who discloses is important because you want to know who to hold responsible if something bad happens. And that's where you begin to see the pushback from some companies because they really don't want to be held liable uh, for the ways that they handle political speech. So this question of where the responsibility lies is important, but I think there is much broader agreement that something's got to get done. So where is this going next? Obviously, there is this pushback that you mentioned. There are these roadblocks. But in terms of policy, where where are we going to be in the next six months? Do you think that we're going to start settling on regulation? I think a lot of people who are interested in this subject will continue making a lot more noise about it. And so that'll be in Washington, where we do have some bills. And that'll be in the states as well, where a number of state lawmakers who are frustrated with Washington intransigence have sort of forged ahead on their own to try to write political ad transparency laws. Now, the future of all those efforts sort of hinges on a lot of things, including the election. You know, a world in which it's a Democratic House, Senate, and White House might be more inclined to adopt those regulations than a fully Republican House, Senate, and White House. And if something bad happens in 2020, if we get the impression that people are gaming the system or, God forbid, the Russian agents are back misusing social media and other services to try to reach American voters, everything gets turned up by like 10. Mm -hmm. So we really have to just sort of wait and see. 
to wait on the election and potentially we have to wait on the next crisis because it is often that Washington gets to these issues or discovers the major gaps in regulations when something has gone totally wrong. I mean, remember, we're talking about this because of the failures of the 2016 race. And so you have to wonder, are Washington folks likely to act knowing that there's a transparency issue now or are they going to wait for the next big thing before they take action? Tony Rahm is a tech policy reporter at The Washington Post. We reached out to the streaming companies Tony mentioned. A spokesperson for Roku sent us a statement which said, in part, We believe political advertising has a place and must be executed in a responsible and transparent way. Tubi and Hulu did not respond to requests for comment. This is Reset, and I'm Allegra Frank. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at LegsFrank. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. We'll be back on Thursday. And as Ariel says... Later, nerds.